And I think for military families, that's a great lesson is that if we can all stay together as a community, it could help us get through the bumps along the way. Welcome, everyone, to season four premiere of The Scuttlebutt. I'm your host, Sean Hall, the director of programming with the Veterans Breakfast Club. If you've been joining us for the last three seasons, uh, you might be wondering how many other people are actually watching this, this podcast or this video cast if you've checked us out on YouTube. Well, we have a bit of numbers just uh, to start the episode here. Total listens of The Scuttlebutt so far. Ryan, could you believe this? Over 4,600 listens to this podcast. Pretty exciting stuff. I think about half of those were you ranting about the 10th Mountain Training shoot house fail, um, which is pretty awesome. Uh, so maybe your second Ryan rant uh, back at the end of season three might get another, you know, 200 views or another million TikTok viewers. So thank you for for being the uh, <laughs> the I, spearhead for all I, of our viewership. <laughs> I can believe that, but I, I I think most people are are you know tuning in. I could listen to you all day, Sean. So. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine, more numbers, YouTube views. We're over 2,600 YouTube views. You being a, a YouTuber as well, is 2,600 a big number? Does that, is that something we should be proud of? I mean, I think so. I think anytime you get over 1,000 is good in my book, uh, you know, in, our, in uh, terms of what we get at our station. So I think, I think that's good. I think um, just having a project that's been going on for four seasons now, the longevity of it is something to be proud of. Definitely. Well, thanks. And and also as podcast downloads go, we're over 2000 downloads on podcasts. So thank you all. Thank you all for listening, for sharing your thoughts. I know we ended last season with just a reaction video to our war music episode. There will be a volume three where we're going to break down more music from the post-Vietnam War era. So look forward to that coming up in season four. We have many more episodes of the Scuttlebutt to come. Uh, super excited about this one today. And uh, make sure that if you like what you hear, you like, share, subscribe, ring the bell on YouTube, and send me an email, Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at veteransbreakfastclub.org. Uh, I want to just quickly, for those of you who may be joining us for the first time actually hearing about the scuttle, but let's go around the room real quick and just have everyone introduce themselves. We'll start off with Ryan, the co-host. Hello, everyone. My name is Ryan All. I am an Army veteran. Uh, I deployed to Iraq a few times, and I've been lucky enough to be the co-host of the Scuttlebutt for a few seasons now. And... Um, uh, yeah, and I enjoy doing the Ryan rants. So look, look for those when they come out. Catherine, welcome hi back. Hi, everyone. Yes. Hi. Thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Catherine Guyon. I am not a veteran. I'm a civilian, but I am the proud granddaughter of a veteran. Um, I am a news anchor by trade at WTRF TV in the Ohio Valley, uh, parts of West Virginia and Ohio. And uh, I am a wife and mom um, in my personal life. So glad to be here. And uh, I know I'll never be as cool as Ryan's rant. <laughs> <laughs> we need to get a Catherine rants in. So Catherine, you need to find something to rant about and we'll make sure to record it. I'll work uh, on that. <laughs> And our special guest for the beginning of season four is Lori Huertas. Uh, Lori, you have a lot of spinning plates uh, and a lot of hands and a lot of cookie jars. And we're super excited to have you on because this conversation we're going to have you today with you today is sort of a follow-up to our Veterans Champion episode that we did in season three. You're very much a military family's champion being a military mom yourself. I wonder if you could uh, introduce yourself a little bit and give us a, a hint as to all the things we'll be talking with you about today. 
Thank you for having me, and it's great to meet all of you. Yes, yeah, so my pride, is, my, my, what the thing I'm most proud of is being an Army mom, as you mentioned. I have a son who is a lieutenant. Um, he's currently um, stationed in Fort Campbell. Um, I'm, I'm a grandma with one <laughs> child and another one on the way, so I'm pretty excited about that. Um, Similar to what Catherine was saying, I um, haven't been in the service. However, I did call to join when my son enlisted. I was just too old. I didn't realize that there was a cap at 40. <laughs> so I thought that they were like, if you'd called 10 years earlier. So I did want to enlist. I just called too late. Um, I'm a doctorate student at Barry University. My dissertation is on improving student services for military students. I am an ambassador for Blue Star Families. I am the program director of a military children's reading club where we read virtually to children all around the world and their families through the National Veteran Chamber of Commerce. Um, I'm a trainer with the USO, I'm a mentor for um, Veterani and the US Chamber. And um, I'm just grateful to serve our families because we always say thank you to our thank you for your service to those who serve, but their spouses and children are also serving in a different way. And so I'm just grateful to be able to help. And right you're on. an author. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just going to say right on, Lori. Yeah. I mean, that, that is that is awesome. Uh, thank you for everything that you do for you know our veterans and their families. Uh, just want to put that out there. Yeah, that is that is an impressive resume. I will say that. And an author. And I don't know where you find time to sleep, Lori. Like <laughs> that's a lot of things. Um, and it was, you know, I think the first thing, and, and you're talking to a room full of uh, I think family oriented people here. Uh, but you know, your son decided to enlist. You, you the, the conversations you and I have had, you seem like a very family oriented, just passionate about family uh, type person. And I kind of want to know. Where that started? Did that start in your, you know, with your parents? Like, where did that come from? Mm -hmm. So my grandfather also served um, in the Vietnam War, but when my son decided to enlist, um, it wasn't really from our family. It kind of came out of nowhere. He played college football. He was going to school to get his bachelor's in accounting. I just assumed that he was going to graduate with his bachelor's and get a job as an accountant, become a CPA. And one day he sat me down and he was like, mom, we need to talk. Um, I've made a decision. I'm joining the military. I was like, what? And he was like, it's okay. I've already thought about the pros and cons. Um, he was um, dating at the time his high school sweetheart, which is his wife now. And he felt like it was a, the best decision for him and his family. Um, and since then, it's been almost four years, a little over four years since he's been in there. He loves it. He's also pursuing his doctorate. But it was definitely a shocker when he said that he was going to join. Um, and so what happened was, is I remember when he was sworn in and I drove down to Miami and I had the little, <laughs> a little, um, my throat, I was wanted to cry, but I was holding it in because I didn't want him to see me like that. And he hugged me and he said, Mom, please don't cry. You're going to make me cry. And said, I was holding it in. Um, as soon as I left there, I remember going into a parking lot and just crying. Um, 
one of the things that really um, inspired me to help families was that when we were in the waiting room, the Red Cross came in and talked to all of the parents and families and said, look, if there's ever an emergency, you can't reach your child. We're the ones that you um, contact. But if you ever want to volunteer, this is another way to give back. And so I said, okay, that'll be good for me to give all that energy, giving back with the Red Cross. And then it just, it just took off from there, from the USO, um, the M in, in my, um, Orlando at the airport, um, they needed some help. Um, so I started volunteering at the airport when military families were transitioning and um, just kept going on from there. That, that is really cool. Yeah, I mean, those USOs and airports are always so helpful. And the USO does, does so much for the military, uh, as well as the, the Red Cross. Um, that is, and yeah, what Lori said was accurate. I mean, every time we go on a training mission or anytime we, we go out, you know, you have to make sure that your Red Cross contact information is up to date so that they can contact your family in case they need to. Um, that is that is really cool. So what was well, when you had that emotional reaction to your to your son joining the military, what was um, were you worried? Were you anxious? Was it just because <laughs> was, it a, was it a fear of the unknown or, or, or did you fear for his safety or what was it? Just got to be honest with you. I think it's watching too many movies and the way Hollywood portrays the military and how it's all war and everyone's going to get killed. And uh, I think it was just that perception in my, in my head. I never had a doubt that my son wouldn't um, be able to do it because as he played college football, he, he was always a leader. He was like captain of the football team since he was three years old. My son was always um, a leader. So I knew that he would do well. I think it was more of the images that come to your mind on the news and things that you see and and thinking about that. But um, I believe in God. And so through prayer and trusting God, that was what really got me through it in that I knew he would be okay. And I knew that he was equipped to do a great job. So this be created sort of a seismic shift in your life. You, you weren't very much involved in a lot of the things with military or military families before your son decided to do this. Um, and, and it seemed like once you made this shift, you couldn't have enough of it. You just kept growing this. So uh, lead us through a bit of those first couple of months as you started to like sort of work with Red Cross. Like how did that continue to grow? So in working with the Red Cross, I really got attached to the families, other moms like myself. I feel I felt like I could empathize. And then the more moms I met, met with, the more um, my story helped them, vice versa. Um, their stories helped me, inspire me, like you say, to continue going. Um, as I was volunteering in the airport with the USO, seeing, seeing the soldiers, every time I saw one, it reminded me of my son. Um, and so and every time I heard the Pledge of Allegiance, it reminded me of his son. When I look at the flag in, in your background, I think of my son. Um, and so in thinking of how can I honor my son, I felt like one of the ways to honor um, my son is by giving back. And I, and I want to share this really quick is that um, at the time I was reading a lot of books and I was reading um, a story about Mother Teresa and Mother Teresa, somebody had brought her a gentleman that was a widow. His wife and his daughter were killed in a car accident and they brought the gentleman to Mother Teresa so she could pray with him because obviously he was sad. And after she prayed with him, she said, what are you going to do with all that love? And he said, what do you mean? And she was like, what are you going to do with all the love you used to give your wife and your daughter? 
And he was like, I don't know. And she said, you need to give it to others. And that for me was the tipping point of, I need to take all this love that I have for my son that I can't give to him. When my grandson was born, it was during COVID. I didn't get to meet my grandson until he was a couple of months old, which is how I started the reading club that we'll talk about. But that was because of my grandson. And so I just took that thought of every time I get sad, and maybe it's because my master's is in counseling psychology, I therapize myself. But I was like, instead of getting depressed, I need to, to switch that and help other people and focus that way. Lori, did you find you talked a lot about, you know, seeing these families and it reminded you of your son? Did you find like, I mean, I've never been through that of having a child go to the military. My son's only a year and a half. But did you find that that was like comforting to have other people going through the same thing around you? Because I know sometimes in life, we always talk about like, nobody can truly understand what you're going through, maybe except for, you know, another mom or another dad that's going through the same thing of their child is, you know, gone at training or away stationed somewhere. Was that comforting for you to not only do the work, but like to be around other people going through the same thing? That is a, that's a very, very wise observation. And yes, a hundred percent being around them made me feel like that. And in thinking of your son, who's a year and a half, when I like, there's a picture I saw of a year and a half little boy with a, with a, the army fatigue on. And they were like, this is what every mom, army mom sees when she sees her son. I think that's the perfect example because even though he's a grown man, he's married, he's, he's leading a platoon. He is, um, in my mind, I still remember him when he was a year and a half. And so I think that is was part of the separation that was challenging at first. But definitely being around other people makes you feel like you're not alone. And I think for military families, that's a great lesson is that if we can all stay together as a community, it could help us get through the bumps along the way. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, yeah. I, I want to ask just out of curiosity to Sean and Catherine, like, what would you do? How would you feel if, you know, your little ones grew up and said, I'm joining the military? What do you think your reaction would be? Catherine, you want to take a, a swing first? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think your initial mom response is worried for safety. And I think every mm -hmm parent would be that way like the first thing you're worried about is safety but you know in in my family there is a little bit of a history you know my husband's grandfather and my grandfather both served in the military so I would you know there would be a sense of pride there as well but I think I it would just be a full shift of life like Lori said and I've learned this from talking to a lot of the veterans that I talk to, they tell me that like, it's a full shift of life for the families too. So I think it would be for me a shock at first, I would worry. And I'm just like, I'm a born worrier anyway. <laughs> so it would probably be doubled for me. But I'd imagine there'd be some pride there. But I, you know, I, I, I think I would have to do what Lori did and throw myself into something to channel like some of that anxiety into helping others. Because what else, you know, what else can you do except support your your little ones then big ones decisions you know oh boy that's a that's a great answer and tough to follow I, i'd echo a lot of that um my, my daughter's you know 19 months old and um she has a an, an odd obsession with construction vehicles so maybe she's going to be an engineer and would you know uh want to go in that way but having been uh sort of 
involved in the military and veteran and service uh, men and women space for the last year and understanding a lot more about it. Um, I, I think I'd feel a, a little bit more comfortable um, if she came to me and said, hey, I want to join the military because I think I'd be able to have that conversation with her, be able to sit down and I would know people to say, hey, let's go talk to some veterans. Let's go talk to some active duty uh, personnel just so, to get more of an idea of what to expect. You know, I want to prep you for that. I would worry like crazy. And I I can't imagine her at 18 and I can't imagine in at, in 18 years me thinking anything other than you, the, the little 19-month-old that I'm trying <laughs> to make sure it doesn't fall and hit her head. Um, it's a very, very odd thing in my, my brain. Um, but uh, I think I would be supportive of anything that she decides to do. I would just want her to make the most educated decision and then, uh, you know, take responsibility for that decision. Now, if I'm going to, you know, go into the military, then do your best and go in uh, knowing everything that you need to know to, to succeed. Um, so, you know, as for Branch, I might have to push her towards Air Force, uh, but... <laughs> Only because I want to fly in a fighter jet. That's the only reason, Ryan. Not not because it's better than the army. Um, it is. I heard, I heard that. I heard the cafeteria is better. At least, at it least. Um, so yeah. So definitely, I would worry. Same as as Lori and and, and Catherine saying. Um, and you know, but I I think I would be very supportive and just want to have the conversation with her. Yeah. Um, so going back, Lori, to a bit of what you were talking about, sort of uh, being a counselor. Uh, you're working with military families. You know, I heard you talk about the five love languages for military families. Yes. Can you sort of lay those out for us? Yep. And you know, when we when we talked that one time, I didn't have the book. I have the book right now, so I could show it to you. I don't know if you could see it right there. Five but love the, fi the five love languages for military families. Um, it is by um, Gary Chapman. And the five love languages is a book that was written a while back, just general. And then they made a, a version for couples and then they made a version for teens and they have um, a version for in the workplace. Now they have the version for military families. And it's really great because I've done this training with USO military spouses um, virtually because I started doing the, the training and then COVID happened. So we did the trainings virtual, but I'd love to do them in person one day. And it talks about how do you um, cope when and your family has to go either through deployment or there's different transitions. So the five love languages are quality time, physical touch, acts of service, gifts, and words of affirmation. And so in thinking of the military and thinking of our military families, if your love language is physical touch, which it's mine, it's very challenging if I was if my spouse, my military spouse was in Hawaii and I can't hug him, I can't touch him. So how do I show him physical touch? And so the book talks about things that you could do, silly things like tracing your hands or sending letters because just even receiving the letters is a way to touch. Um, doing Zoom calls like this where you can actually see each other. There is um, a correlation as far as even though it doesn't seem like it's physical, physical touch, there is a connection that um, evokes that part of the brain so that you feel like you're connecting with your partner. With um, words of affirmation, obviously, that would be writing letters, sending emails, leaving um, 
messages um, for your, your loved one. I saw um, for access service, one of the examples was before the military spouse was going to Afghanistan, he made sure to change the oil in his wife's car. He made sure to like um, pay certain bills, just show her like, even though he was going to be gone, he took care of things before he left. So just um, keeping um, your, your family in mind and understanding that everybody has a different way of receiving love and respecting that. Ryan, how, do you, do you connect with that? The five love languages, how do you, as a, you know, as a veteran, um, how did you show love to your family? You know, when you would have to be deployed or when you have to leave for a couple of weeks or yeah. months? Um, I think uh, technology has obviously made that a lot easier, you know, prior you know, or in the early 2000s, it was, you know, it was letters, it was handwritten letters or, or care packages, things like that, which, you know, just showed, you know, kind of what you were, um, you know, what, that you were still on, on the top of your mind of your family back home. And then also just like sending them things back. Email was, was a way to do that. If, if the internet was working, right, like now, nowadays, uh, it is a lot easier, you know, that you can FaceTime over the phone or, you know, like Lori was saying, you know, that, um, you know, now being married and being a father, you know, when I do have to leave for a few weeks, it, it is, you know, there, there's that family unit that you have to support and you have to um, taking care of some of those things ahead of time um, to try to plan ahead uh, for, for what your family is going to need without you being there, um, I think is always like greatly appreciated. And also, you know, getting the, the, you know, the, 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 the texts and the, and the photos while you're, while you're away of like what your family's doing and your kid at the pool and, and things like that is always just like so helpful. And, and, and although that there, there is always a bit of like, you're missing out. Um, it's still nice to know that, you know, your family's okay and that they are, you know, they're doing okay while, while you're not there. Um, and that you, you know, that you can't wait to get home to, to see them. So yeah, I think all of those, such a combination of all of those love languages is, is, you know, I think kind of what it takes to make it work, but I think identifying um, where you and your and your significant other, your spouse or your or your kids, um, what best you know speaks to them, uh, understanding that is definitely important. Yeah, Lori, what would you say is the most difficult challenge that military families face? Um, adapting to unexpected change. <laughs> So um, when someone finds out one day that they're going to be shipped somewhere next week and the whole family has to adjust. So the, the wife has to figure out that what school that the children are going to go to. They have to figure out where they're going to live. Um, if they're not going to be together, how are they going to do that? And so I think they have to be really, one of the things I love about military families is um, every time I talk to them, resiliency is what comes to mind. They just really learn to be resilient um, and adapting to change isn't always easy. It's not always welcomed. It's not something that they're like, yay, we're going to be moving so-and-so. I mean, unless it's Hawaii, everybody's not going to be like, oh, yay, we're going to go to um, a different part of the world right now. Um, but it's how can we work together? So I think through communication and respect, um, they can overcome that. I think, you know, chiming in here is a, you know, a, a true civilian who has never been in the military or, you know, have my immediate family in the military. 
from what I've learned really over the last several years, and I just want people who are listening who, you know, aren't military families to realize that, you know, on behalf of you, Lori and Ryan and all the other military families, it's like, it's not just your loved one goes goes to the military and does their thing. You know, they, they're dealing with their training or in their job, and they're also having to worry about their family back home, but also on the families, like it's not just their loved one leaves and life goes on as normal. You know, they're like missing a part of them that's in some other place and they make so many sacrifices and they change things around. And that's why like somebody said, one of you guys said at the top of this episode, like you thank military families for their service. And it's true. And I've found, you know, myself doing that a little bit more in, you know, when I meet families that have a military connection, it's thanking the family too, because it's not like, it's, it's not an easy thing. And then I'd imagine too, like Lori, when you do get those moments where you got to talk to your son or everything, and you said about the lump in your throat, like you weren't, I'm sure you were, you know, trying to put on a brave face and you don't want to show your family member in the military that you're upset. So there's an emotional toll too. And I just think that we don't thank military families enough too for all they do because service is you know it's sometimes it's a family decision and and you know it just uproots a lot of people and I just think we need to be more grateful for that aspect of it too that's just my you know two cents listening to you guys thank you for saying that I do want to also point out you just made, you reminded me of something I did a training on the five love languages for teachers um, a couple years ago before the school year started and there was a teacher that had a military student in our class and she was talking about how for Father's Day they were doing like you know the little things that the kids make um, little crafts for their dad well the, his dad was deployed he wasn't going to see his dad so that day he was totally acting up and she didn't even know his dad was in the military so she sent him to the office they were talking about suspending him until a social worker guidance counselor got involved and figured out what the root of the cause was and so I think that as you say Catherine for the listeners out there I think we need to educate teachers the community to the fact that sometimes the military children have challenges that some a regular child doesn't have in that how can you maybe for Father's Day for that child let them have a picture of their dad in the craft because the dad can't physically be there or something how can you accomplish accommodate in the same way we make accommodations for disabilities and things like that. I think one of the difficulties uh, that I hadn't thought of uh, up until now really is just, you know, we think about deployments, them leaving, uh, sort of uh, unexpectedly coming up on a, on a move. Um, but what about after the deployment when they come back and how difficult is that to reconnect with your family? Um, Ryan, do you want, are you able to answer that to start? Yeah, I think uh, it, a lot of it takes time, especially when kids are involved. So um, I haven't been deployed since I've had a kid for a long time. But I did have to go to an extended training where I was gone for a month. And then, you know, the in the mind of a three-year-old, that's that's a long time. Um, and so you, you really do have to be um, patient. I mean, you you can't impose, you know, your expectations as the returning parent on your kid you have to like kind of let let them work through it and just be there to you know really just support them and and you know let them come around as things happen because there are family dynamics that are going to be changed there's you know relation uh, 
relationships that kind of, in a way, you know, need to be rebuilt. Um, uh, but um, yeah, but for, for me personally, like coming back from a deployment to a war zone and then connecting with family was, it was a very similar uh, process, you know, like you do have, I think the biggest issue, the biggest barrier to overcome is misaligned expectations of what that's going to be like. Um, the honeymoon period, which a lot of people talk about, it's in a lot of literature, right? Like you come home and everything's fine because they're just happy you're home. But then like the realities like settle in of like, you know, this is what's been going on while you're gone. And that's not what you may have expected that to be happening. You know, who, who does what in the household or, or what, what other people have been going on to and the realization that, you know, life has gone on while you're gone um, and, and dealing with, with those sorts of things. So it does take uh, time and in some and in some issues like counseling um, or uh, you know relationship counseling or individual counseling to process all of that, which is you know totally normal and okay. And I think it's you know people have to realize that that's not a sign of weakness. That can typically be a, a sign of strength that you can you know come to um, a place to to speak about your feelings to help to get some help processing. And that's uh, I think you know, re- removing that stigma. Um, is is good and that you're just having a normal reaction to abnormal circumstances. Um, so I think that 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 is all part and parcel. Some some people don't need that and that's great and and some people do and they should feel comfortable reaching out for that sort of help from multiple different organizations, some of which Lori has mentioned and, and that, that can provide help um, to do that. Lori, what's been your experience with your son returning? How do you so, so th- thank God my son um, has only been in the U.S. So he is basically in Fort Bragg and then they moved him to Fort Campbell. Um, and so I haven't had to have that experience with him being deployed yet. I'm sure I'm sure it will happen eventually. Um, but I can say as far as reconnecting um, recently, my mom passed away over Mother's Day and um, both of my parents are diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I say that to point out the fact that in talking about us being a community and helping each other, it's in every area because even military families that have terminal illness um, from family members, that's an additional challenge to everything that they go through. Um, And so when she passed away and I hadn't seen my son in a while and he came with his wife and the baby, um, that connection was beautiful, but it's, I could see the military in him. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God, the way he speaks, the way he walks, the way he responds, it's, he's still in my heart. He's still the little boy, like Catherine's little boy. He's still like that to me. However, he's such a man and he's such a leader and he was so take charge of everything. He's like, I got this mom. Don't worry. I'm doing this. No, we're going to do this, this, and this. It was almost like he was running our um, day. Like if we were in the military and I just developed so much respect. I've always respected him, but my level of respect um, and pride Pride, as Catherine was saying, just increased 200%. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great to hear. Um, I, I want to get to all of the things that you have going on as well. I, I think, uh, you know, obviously being a, a, a military family champion and, and an advocate for military families uh, is one, one portion of this. The other portion is, you know, working with students at Barry U. Um, and Ryan, you have a bit of background in this at, at the University of Pitt. Um, uh, so, Lori, can you talk us through a bit of what you do with Barry U? 
Sure. Um, so currently I am a school certifying official. And what that means is when we have a new student or an existing student that wants to use their military funding to pay for their education, I, I'm the liaison between the school and the VA. And so I guide them through the steps that they need to do. Um, and we look at um, their, their options. If, if their um, benefits are um, have ended, are there scholarships? Are there other things that they can consider? If they're a military spouse, there's a military um, scholarship called MyCAA that military spouses can, can apply for. Um, a lot of people are not aware that they can transfer their benefits. So benefits can be transferred um, to spouses and children. And so um, it's more of um, educating them on um, how they can best utilize the benefits that they earned um, to pursue their higher education and then talk to them and listen to them about their goals. I think that's really important. Um, one thing I want to share that I was thinking about, Ryan, when you guys, when everyone was talking, is that um, in thinking of the transition and a challenge that happens for families is that when um, military members a lot of time are done with their service and then they get back into um, civilian world. I hear people say the real world, but what is the real world? <laughs> but when they get back into civilian world and they're looking for a job and they're going to the interview, I help. Um, one of the things I do um, on the side um, through the organizations I'm a part of, as well as Barry University, is educate them to civilian lingo. Because when they submit their resume, they, some of them, they don't even know how to do the resume because they're so used to, in the military, it's done a certain way. And in the civilian world, HR expects it a certain way. So many times they'll go for an interview and they're the perfect candidate and they won't get the job. And they're like, I don't understand. And I'll look at the resume. I'll say, you know what? Let's pull your JST, your joint services transcript that shows your leadership like what you really did in the military and equate that leadership in the resume so that they could see that you're you're a leader and you have been doing so it may in the job description you may not have specifically what it says the way it's worded but if we rephrase phrase it you really do have that leadership you led a platoon of 50 guys, come on now, you you definitely know how to use critical analysis. You definitely know how to build a team. You know how to communicate. You have the verbal skills. And so um, that's a part of my job that I really like. And that's a part of um, when I give back to the community that I like to educate companies and HR directors. So if there's any HR directors that are listening, that if you're ever interviewing a military um, family, um, a person who has served, that the JST is another way to gauge their experience a joint services transcript does that does that all ring a bell there ryan oh yeah yep 100 yeah we did uh we did a lot of that i sat in a lot of offices with a lot of with a lot of uh military students and then walked them through some of that and to tell you we could do a whole podcast on just like uh employment employment in the civilian sector after military service you there are so many things out there, so many issues with the way it works, so many, you know, resources to help them. Um, and a lot of different, a, a lot of different organizations that try to assist veterans with that. Um, because it is, it's, it's, uh, it's a difficult transition for a lot of, a lot of service members. Good note. We'll make sure to have that this season, season yeah. four. <laughs> Coming at you. Um, that's, that's excellent, Lori. Uh, 
and also, you know, I, I, you've been able to do a lot of work with children and, and, and not just, you know, students and families and, you know, this extends to children as well. What are you doing for military children as well? Yeah. So um, when my first grandson was born and it was during times of COVID, I think they should write a book instead of times of cholera. It should be times of COVID. But when that when that when that that happened and I couldn't see him, I was like, oh, my God, he's not going to know me when I meet him. I'm his grandma. So I'm one of I'm one of (laughs) one of his grandmas. And so I decided to record myself reading books because I had done research on bonding through reading. So I would record myself reading books and my son and my daughter-in-law would play the recordings to him. Um, so that hopefully when he met me one day, he would at least recognize my voice. So oh, I've heard her voice before. But what happened is when I started uploading the videos to Facebook, people started sharing them. And before you know it, I got a call from the National Veteran Chamber of Commerce saying, you know what, we've been looking at doing something. Would you be interested in doing this for military families um, and being the program director? And so through Blue Star Families that I am an ambassador, I found out that I had a free membership with a company called Caribou. And they have free ebooks. And my book that that you mentioned before, Sean, that mm-hmm. I just published, um, it's called Papa Scooter: A Legacy of Love. It's a children's book about my dad, um, who has cancer, giving advice to my grandson. <laughs> and so, um, and he has military stuff on because he references my grandson's dad, which is my son. But um, that book's going to be in Caribou. She's going to put it on there. But the oh, cool thing is, is that no matter where you are around the world, you could read these books with um, your family members and if they can't be present you could record it and save the recording so like Ryan was saying like let's say he couldn't do a zoom with his family um, the his wife could record his child reading and then he could look at the the recording later on and at least see oh my god I saw him reading and then when he sees his child say I saw you reading I'm so proud of you so it's just a way to connect families Sesame Street is a big part of caribou because they're very very military friendly um but there's other authors as well you know how sesame street became military friendly that i you know until i met you i didn't really even know this oh my god yeah so um and i can share the link so that you could share it with listeners later on Mm -hmm. um sesame street is just really big on diversity and for them diversity just means anyone that is different and so in thinking of different areas, someone gave them idea of helping, you know, military families. And so they, they actually have resources that they mail to the families, um, coloring books, websites, they have a couple of episodes, they're starting to do songs, but um, it really stemmed from their, their passion for um, embracing cultural diversity. Wow. Wow. Ryan, did you know anything about Sesame Street and their support for military families? No, no, not um, not not to that extent. But I think that this reading to, to kids idea virtually is is amazing. I know that um, I, I, you know, I read to my daughter uh, every night and it is like I think that that builds such uh, uh, not only a, an educational appetite, but also a bond between, you know, parent and and child, which I think is um, to be able to do that virtually and have a system set up to do that, I think is, is amazing. There's something so comforting about it too. Like me too, like I read to my son all the time and I did it 
way before, you know, when he was only like a month old, way before he could comprehend any of it, you know, but I think there's something so comforting about, it almost makes me tear up a little bit about the fact that like, you know, you could be deployed and you read a book and record it for your kid. And then your kid can sit there and essentially read with you before bedtime if they have the same book on their screen. I mean, I've always been such a big proponent of, you know, reading is kind of something that brings us together because yeah, it's good for education and all those things. And I'm not, you know, knocking any of that, but like just how much it brings people together over a shared love of a book that just, I mean, it brings tears to my eyes. And, you know, knowing that a kid can log on anytime and be like, oh, I'm, you know, missing mom or dad today. I want to read a book with them. Like, I think that's amazing. I think one of my favorite things now is my daughter's old enough. She'll, she'll pick up these old books that have like the pop-up pictures and she'll be like, this one's broken. Who did that? I'm like, you, you did when you were like 18 <laughs> months old, like you destroyed this book. Oh, yeah, we're, we're in that destructive pop-up yeah. book phase right now. So I have yeah. that to look for. Just a lot of scotch tape. A lot of scotch tape. Yep, I've already scotch taped one of her favorites back together at this point. Um, and you know, my 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 mother uh, had had this thought, and she um, you know wasn't able to to see my daughter for a time during COVID, and she recorded herself and just sent it to me on Google Drive. But I hadn't known about Caribou until until I met you, Lori. Um, so you know, you're doing is this a podcast? How are you? Is you know, tell us a bit more about how you're involved in this. So initially with the National Veteran Chamber of Commerce, we tried to set up days and times where anybody could join, but it didn't really work out for our families because of unexpected things that happen. And so basically the families can email me and do one-on-one appointments. And then I just do it with them. Um, And then also I have a YouTube channel that a friend of mine created called Storytime with Abuela. Abuela means grandma in Spanish. I was going to ask you that because there's a (laughs) that's sort of a nickname like you go by that. Yes, yes, that's my nickname. And so um, I um, have those videos recorded where where I read and um, many of the episodes you'll see I dedicate to my son I dedicate to my grandson I mentioned the military families like I did one I think around Memorial Day and kind of educated everybody to how Memorial Day is about us remembering and how it's very important that we remember those that serve so yeah we're going to have links uh, in the chat on the website uh, for uh, for Lori's YouTube channel. Um, Lori, you were going to share your screen. If you're listening to this as a podcast, we encourage you to pop over to YouTube. Lori's going to share our screen, show us a bit of what Caribou is. Um, and we're, are you going to read us a book too, Lori? Are you going to read us your book or are <laughs> so we going to get one I, from I would Caribou? Li- I would like to, no, so um, no, not my book yet because it's not officially published. Oh, okay. <laughs> once, it's on, once it's on Amazon, I'll do it. Um, it should be soon. However, um, I will do Caribou and I would like to take a volunteer or maybe um use Catherine and Ryan to read a couple of pages. So I didn't, me- I didn't prior to this, I didn't volunteer you guys. <laughs> so um, I feel free, jump in. Hey, use your acting skills. We're all parents. We should be good at reading books, right? <laughs> <laughs> so can you see this? Wow. So when you go to the caribou website and caribou is C-A-R-I-B-U.com. So when you go to that website, you can put anything in the search bar. So I put military in the search bar so that you can see there are some books about the military. And the one that I chose for us today is called Little Daisy's Worst Best Day. We serve two. So when you open it up, this is what it looks like. 
you can actually see the age group, the author, the illustrator, and then it gives you a little bit about what the book's about. This one is about when they relocate military families. Um, and it talks about the story and, and even has a dog in it. So you could put either read together or read by myself. So I'm gonna put read by myself. So this is this is the this is the book. So maybe we'll just do this one page. But if um, Catherine wants to do one paragraph, Ryan does another one, and then I'll do the last paragraph just to show what it's like. We'll do this one page. Oh, can I do? Can we do two pages? I want to join. Okay, perfect, Ryan. <laughs> so you could do the next page. Okay. You can't leave any of the kids out here, Lori. Yeah. <laughs> We're all kids at heart. <laughs> all right. So I'll take a volunteer to go first, and I'll go last on this page. Catherine, ladies first. Sure, I'll do it. We're at grandma and grandpa's house today. Mommy's home packing, we're moving away. This is the worst day I've ever had. I don't want to move, it's making me sad. Daddy's new job is now far, far away. So we will be leaving, though we both want to stay. I have so many friends here, my brother does too. And we really can't stand leaving grandpa and you. Oh, honey, come here now and sit by my side. We'll be sad together. She sniffled and cried. Then Daisy, good dog, came and nuzzled my neck. Oh, she has a story to tell you, I bet. She'll let you tell it, for I know it by heart. There was once a cute little puppy, so smart. <laughs> Do you guys want to finish the book or you want to, uh, so I know I, now, you're, I now a, you're all excited. <laughs> I, I do have a question. So when sure. you do it with read together, are they, yes. are, are, is the other person also present and turning the page like at, on their yes, you know, that's device correct. as well? Is that that's how it correct. works? Yes. That's really yes. cool. Yep. How would this yeah. have changed for you, Ryan, you know, a couple of years ago, if Caribou was around uh, when you were deployed? I, you know, I'm not sure. I think if, you know, the, the access to something like this, and, you know, I think that would have been, you know, really amazing just to, to, to do that together at the same time, like not only just, not only just, you know, over videos and sharing videos of each other, but, but going through the act of that at the same time, I think that would have been really, really cool. I got chills. I got chills reading with you guys. And I, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I love this. I, it was, it was making me tear up earlier, just like the sheer, you know, connectivity of it. I love it. it. You know, I think there's something so comforting too about like being able to hear the voice of someone you love, like even if you're having a bad day or whatever, I just think they're so, you know, sometimes like me, I'm having a bad day. I call my husband or my mom just because I want to hear their voice. So like for a kid to be able, especially to be able to hear, you know, someone they love reading to them is something that they enjoy. It, it's just, it's such a special thing. And it, I guess this is like the, uh, you know, modern version of those books where you could just like tape record your voice. And as you, you know, those, and as the kid turns the pages, they can play it. This is like the modern live version. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it's recorded much better than those old ones. Cause it wouldn't sound like my voice coming out of it when you press play and be like, <laughs> yeah. bang, bang, well, bang, bang. It's like, that's not dad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel you guys did great. And I really feel out of my depth. I'm, I'm reading with a trained actor, a news anchor and the lady who who is an expert at this. So you guys. Did yeah, and Lori put us all to, same, to shame. She was really, you know, she had like the inflections going. 
I think it's a really good conversation piece because in that like that specific book, if you read it with a family that was going through that or a family that was getting ready to go through that, then after the book, you could actually have, hey, how does that make you feel? You know, can you which character can you relate to? Do you agree? Do you disagree? So I think um, besides the whole reading component that all of us enjoyed, it's a good conversation piece um, to address unique issues that military families go through. And I'd imagine, too, with a lot of stuff, you know, with with kids, you'll find like I learned this with my son. Like there's a literally a book for everything. There's a book about being sad, about angry. There's books about loss. I was just in the store buying books for him this weekend. So I saw all this stuff. But I mean, there's literally a book for everything. And I mean, it, it, it's structured that way because if kids aren't going to talk to mom just when she says, oh, why do you feel that way? Maybe they'll talk to, you know, the little dog in the book or who, you know, whoever. Sometimes they need that third party that's just like letting them know, hey, it's okay. Other people feel that way too. Mm-hmm. Lori, uh, what does your what does your son think about all of this uh, advocacy that you've been doing? How, how does he feel about it? I, I know that he feels proud. And as far as the reading book part, um, my my son is um, sometimes a man of little words, but he shows a lot with actions, and he is like a walking heart. He is um, just, he's just such an amazing person, not because he's my son. He's just an amazing, um, like I couldn't have dreamt of a better son. So when he came to visit that, the time that I told you that I was telling all of you about after my mom passed away, I had books and his, and my daughter-in-law was like, Hey, you want to read a book with um, Isaac? That's my grandson. And I was like, I do, but I'd really like it if um, Andres would read it. And so to see my son reading to my grandson as my daughter-in-law was holding him made all of this priceless. I was like, so it's kind of like, um, it's not even just what he thinks. It's the fact that it's like a legacy of love and a legacy that's getting, that's going to repeat itself. And that, that part makes everything beautiful. We need the star shooting across the screen right now, the more you know. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, uh, in Italia, who who runs Caribou, um, we've been in contact with her. She was super excited to have Caribou a part of the Scuttlebutt. Um, what do you think of of Italia's sort of contribution to this? She has such a heart for the military. Like this is so very important. This is free. Caribou is free for military families. So for non-military families, I believe there's a cost, mm -hmm. but for military families, it's free. And so how great to have a resource like that. That's fantastic. Um, Lori, what is your favorite kid's book? Do you have one? Uh, um, I would say um, that's a good question. I feel I feel like I have um, so many. I think um, Good Night Moon is one of them. Mm -hmm. um, I also love the Dr. Seuss books, um, every single one of them, because I feel like that rhyming component really um, gets people involved and it gets children involved in the stories. Um, so um, I think I'm going to go with the Dr. Seuss books. <laughs> I would oh, agree. Oh, 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 the places you'll go. Yes. Oh, that's, yes. That is a great one. 
Yes. And I, I only like saying the word mush in the good night moon one. Good night, mush. <laughs> good night, nobody. Good night, mush. I don't know. I love that part when I'm reading to my daughter. Catherine, what's your favorite kids book? Oh my gosh. So I, I think this is the right title. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes my son just brings me a book and I start reading it before looking at what we're reading with. But there's this book, I think it's called like Love You Forever. And there's a line in it that says, I'll love you forever. I'll like you for always. As long as I'm living, my baby you'll be. And it's just so sweet. You know, I talked about it. And I think that's a, it, I'm going to continue to read it to him as he gets older, just to let him know that, you know, he'll always be like my little, my, you know, my little baby. So that one, uh, that one makes me cry. But we're also big right now in my household on Goodnight Pittsburgh. Um, you know, that's the, the hometown book for me. So. <laughs> I have Good Night Darth Vader. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty funny if you read through it. Uh, Ryan, favorite favorite kids book? That is, I can't believe we're all on the same page here, but there is a version of Good Night Moon called Good Night Goon. And it is oh. a it is a Halloween inspired one. And my daughter <laughs> loves it. She, we still, we've been reading it for four years and she still loves reading it. It's hilarious. And she, uh, yeah, so Good Night Goon is a very, very good one. That's going to be the next book purchase. I can't, I need to see that. (laughs) Ryan, do you have like character voices because you have just this great baritone? Oh yeah. Well, you have to, right? Like my, and um, it's, it's where I really want up my wife. It's where the the reading competition starts, right? She'll, she'll just stick her head at me like, what are you guys doing in here? (laughs) (laughs) You know, Um, you're playing, we're playing, we're playing out the book. It's fun. That's right. Mm -hmm. One that I really like personally, which I don't know if it's quite, my daughter's quite at the age yet where she can appreciate it, is called Animalia. Um, it's by, I believe you pronounce it, Graeme Bass. Uh, it's less read, well, there's, there's reading involved. It's an alphabetical book, uh, but the art in it really blows my mind. Uh, it's, it's, I'm going to pull up a, a screen share of this. Uh, it's the, let's see here, if everyone can see that. Oh, wow. I remember that book. Yes. So, you know, I can't remember where we got this book, but it goes through the alphabet and look at these pictures. And then it's all an armored armadillo avoiding an angry alligator. And then a part of each picture, as I started to like look into this book more, because you just sit there with your kid and you start looking at books and looking at books. And like this one, everything started popping out to me that every piece that's inside of each picture is based on the alphabetical letter that the the poem or the or the or the rhyme is. Um, so, you know, you flip over beautiful blue butterflies basking in a babbling brook by a babbling brook. You have beetles, you have a, a bumblebee, you have a, a beaver, you have, you know, all of these different things that start to like pop out to you the more that you look at it. And I think I show it to my 19 month old and she's like, yeah, okay, whatever. Give me good night moon. Um, but this, this one to me is just crafty crimson cats. You know, it's a two pager carefully catching crusty crayfish. There's a camera, there's you know, a cobra, uh, and there's actually, and what I found that really sort of uh, made me love this book was at the very beginning, the author had drawn a little picture of himself and said, if you look hard enough, you might find me in each picture. And so like, I'm diving into this over the course of the day, trying to find him in each picture, you know? Um, but it was something that I was like, I love, you know, teaching her the alphabet. I love teaching her all these like different words and different things that she can look at, like, where's the crayfish? And she has to, you know, sort of dive into it and find it. Um, but that's one of my favorites that I've been sort of obsessed with lately. That's cool. I remember that book from when I was when I was younger, and I didn't think about it until you just brought it up. But I remember loving that book. That book was awesome. 
You're going to get a Christmas gift this year, Ryan. <laughs> um, boy, I, you know, every time we have a scuttlebutt, you know, I'm always interested in what the topic's going to be. And this one, Lori, uh, really just blossomed into a lot of different topics that I think we can extend into more scuttlebutt episodes. Um, certainly just the military family champion idea of this and just, you know, how to bring military families more into the understanding of, of regular civilians like Catherine and myself, just understanding what challenges they're facing, what they're going through, um, you know, making sure that, you know, it's not just thank you for your service to, to veterans and, and active service men and women, but, but to their families as well. Uh, you know, I couldn't be more excited for all of the, the knowledge that you've shared with us here today. Thank you so much for being with us. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, Catherine, Ryan, any, any thoughts uh, uh, on the premiere here of season four? Just Lori, you are a complete ray of sunshine. Thank oh. you for all of the work you do. Um, my best to your family. And really to all the military families out there, just thank you for all you do to support your loved ones who are serving. Yeah, and I'll just echo that, Lori. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for coming on our podcast, Catherine, again. Thank you for coming again. Um, what, what a fantastic conversation, and uh, thank you very much. Lori, I'd like to give you the last word here. Any, any, any parting thoughts for us? Just for military families out there, just know that you're not alone and you're only a book away from your family member. Love it. Um, please make sure to like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell on YouTube. And if you would like to connect with Lori or want to know more about Caribou, uh, please email me at Sean, S-H-A-U-N, at veteransbreakfastclub.org. We'd love to connect you um, with this great organization, um, be able to, to be able to read to, to kids. Um, what a great thing. Uh, anyway, thank you all for joining us. Look forward to season four of The Scuttlebutt. Uh, we'll see you all next week.